Amen. If you'd find a place to where you can read along with me in Romans chapter 12, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13, Romans 12 and verse 1 here in just a moment. We are uh, starting a brand new series, but we are moving on as uh, we're talking about uh, live like you believe. If you believe it, uh, then you ought to live like it. And uh, hopefully scripture will help us to be able to do that very thing. We have been in Romans actually Lots of this year, on and off kind of thing, but we're working our way through that great book of Romans, and uh, so you want to continue on. Hope that you will be a part. First Sunday in October, this will be a great time to determine you can be here just as often as you possibly can. Bring others with you as well. We encourage you to come and be a part. We are in Romans chapter uh, 12, beginning with verse 1. This now is the Word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3 reads, For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and she seek to show hospitality to all. May the Lord bless the reading of His Holy Word today. Had opportunity to talk to a young man. I guess he was about a senior in high school and about to go off to college. And in conversation, of course, I was asking about what he's going to be doing with his future. But in our conversation, I asked him. I said, "Did he know? Did he know that he had Jesus in his heart?" And he asked me what I meant by that. And I said, "Well, are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Are you a Christian?" And he said, "Well." He said, I don't know that I am not in the way that you're talking about. And, I, and I, he said, what does a person have to do to become a Christian? And I said, well, that's a good question to ask. I said, well, I said, first of all, the Bible tells us that we're all sinners. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we need to turn from our sin and turn from ourselves and turn toward Jesus. We need to believe what the Bible says about Jesus and uh, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he Lived, came, lived amongst us a perfect life. Then he died on the cross as the penalty for our sin. He took our place. Three days later, he rose again. He's alive today. Of course, the conversation went longer than that, and we shared some verses with that. And then he asked the question, or I told him, I said, at any time, you can pray, and you can ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and you can ask Christ to come in. So then he asked the question. He said, can I pray to ask Jesus Christ in right now? And I said, you know, now's not a good time. Actually, I didn't say that. You know I didn't say that. I said, oh, that'd be great. You know, I try to show not too much excitement, but I'm really excited inside, you know, boom, kind of thing. I thought this would be great. And, 
he prayed to receive Jesus Christ. The, not the next Sunday, he walked the aisle and presented him to the church. A couple of weeks later, he was baptized. And, uh, you know, if you ever thought somebody just gets it, you know, the, you saw the light come on, he gets it. His life's not going to be the same any longer. I thought, this is what's happening to this young man. And so after baptism on that day or after the service, on the day he was baptized, I remember after greeting everybody and talking to everyone, I was the only one left at the church, and I went to my office, and I was preparing for something. Maybe there's a funeral that day or something. And he came and knocked on my office door. I thought I was the only one there, and he knocked on my office door, and he came and said, Brother Jeff, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, you can ask a question. He said, now what do I do? And I said, well, it's lunchtime. You ought to probably go eat lunch. We're done. Everybody's gone. He said, oh. I said, I've become a believer in the Lord Jesus. I've become a Christian. I've joined the church. Now I've been baptized. Now what? I said, well, come on in and let's talk about it. I said, you know, now that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, the Lord has a plan and a purpose for your life and your job to find that plan and purpose. I knew he was going to ask next, you know, how do I find it? So I went ahead and said, Say so what you need to do is every day you need to spend time reading God's Word. Begin in the New Testament, maybe in the book of John, but begin reading God's Word every day, praying every day. You need to be involved in church just like you have been here recently. And, and if you go off to, when you go off to school, you need to find you a Bible-believing, Christ-centered church who can grow with a group of believers and serve together. You need to look for opportunities to be able to share with others that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and look for opportunities to be able to serve in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I say, I believe if you'll do that, and with a willing heart, you cannot help but find God's will and God's purpose for your life. It may be that's your question today. It may be your question is now, what do I do? Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe it is that there's certain things happening in your life. Maybe it's through the loss of a loved one. Maybe there's been a financial change or maybe something with a relationship change. Maybe it, uh, maybe it's just a time of loneliness or Depression, you need to ask, you know, now, Lord, what do I need to do? It doesn't have to be negative. It could be that it's a different season in your life, and you're asking now, what do I do? Or we had a hundred so ladies, appreciate Mary sharing about her at the conference today. We had a hundred or so, hundred ladies maybe that came to this conference, and I think they may be feeling unusually blessed, and maybe they need to be asking, now, what do I do? It's not a bad question to ask every morning when you get up in the morning. Lord, now... What would you have me to do? It is the question that the Apostle Paul is answering in Romans chapter 12. After the first 11 chapters, he's taught theology. He's let us know that we know about the grace and the love of God for all those who put place their faith in Him and even judgment and destruction for all those who do not. And now Paul is spending the next few chapters and Many other times as well as the Old Testament helping us, to, the New Testament helping us to answer the question, now what do you do? The emphasis on the word do, on being very practical. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you know that He has a plan for your life. You know that there's purpose in everything that takes place. God is walking with you along the way, plus He's giving you eternal life. And we know because of that as believers, we now understand all that we have and all that we are, we owe to Jesus. Take a look at the last verse in chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says this, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever and all amen. Now that you know Jesus and all that He has done for you, now what? Romans chapter 12 and rest of the New, along with the rest of the New Testament helps us to answer that question. 
And here's one of the things that the Scripture teaches us in these verses particularly. You need to dedicate yourself fully to God. Dedicate yourself fully to God. These well-known verses from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, ask us to dedicate ourselves to God and actually to give God two things. We need to give our God, give God your physical body. He says here, it's the most reasonable, logical thing you could do when Christ has given us eternal life is to give yourself to Him. Not to pay back a debt, for it's a debt that we could never repay, but give yourself to Him out of love. Do you remember what the Bible says or what Jesus said was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. One of the ways in which we do that is with all of your strength, with your physical body. Paul says, I beseech you, I urge you. It was a diplomatic way of appealing, not a command. God does not coerce us or make us to give our bodies as living sacrifice, but He implores us. He says this we ought to do out of love because of what Christ has done. Now I read out of the English Standard Version just a moment ago, the ESV, and in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, at the end of that it says, give your bodies as living sacrifices for this is your, and it uses these words, spiritual worship. Now, you may have another translation because some translations say this is your reasonable or logical service. The word for worship is exchanged for the word service in some translations. And that's not a misprint. It's not because there's two different words used and we don't know which word is used. It's because the same word means both worship and service. All right. Well, now we're getting somewhere. You see, most of us think of worship, it's somewhere we go. It's something we kind of watch or maybe we're entertained for or what it should be, something that we think of when we think that we participate in on Sunday morning. But those who originally heard or read this passage, they knew when they heard what was being said, true worship is something we do. We give to God all the time. Sometimes we worship by praising like we've done here today. At other times or maybe at all times we should worship by how we live our life or by serving. The presenting of our bodies in service does not guarantee salvation. Salvation's already been guaranteed in the Word of God, taken care of on the cross, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now our bodies are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. We are His temple. We are a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, they often brought dead sacrifices to church or to the temple or to the synagogue and They were to present to God. In fact, the Old Testament prophets were often talking about how their sacrifices were not acceptable to God because their hearts were not right with God. So it wasn't just the dead sacrifices, but we find Jesus, He's the last of the dead sacrifices. The very last one as He gave His life on the cross. And He's the first of the living sacrifices as He rose again and He's alive today. But unlike the Old Testament sacrifices, we're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. But like the Old Testament sacrifice was supposed to be, like Jesus was, we're to present ourselves as holy and without blemish. And that's only by being made righteous because Jesus dwells in us. Colossians chapter 3.23 says this, And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. As a living sacrifice, it is what we do. It's the right thing to do because of what God has done for us. It's our reasonable service. For whatever we do, we should do it as an act of worship. Serving 
is worship. But we also are to give. Dedicate yourself fully to God. Give God your mind and will. We read that in verse 2. What, what else did Jesus say about the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God, not only with all your strength, but also with all of your heart and with all of your mind. When the world wants to control your mind, or Satan may want to control your mind, but Jesus wants to transform it. Now, I like the Phillips translation of uh, Romans 12 and verse 2. I think I've got it there in your notes. But So let's look at it uh, maybe in parts. First part of that says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its old, own mode. If you think about it, it makes sense not to conform to the world because the world's ways are always passing fads while the standards of the Lord Jesus Christ remains the same today, yesterday, and forever. It will save you lots of worry, lots of time, and even lots of money not to conform to the world's ways which are always changing. In all seriousness, the world's ways lead you away from Christ and into sin. Now, a lot of people think about being a Christian, it's, uh, it's inhibiting. They think if, when they think of Christianity, unless they really understand it, they think it's a list of the do's and don'ts, mostly of the don'ts. If you're going to be a Christian, it's going to stop you from doing a lot of things. But the world says, I want, to con- want you to conform to this particular mode. But you remember what Jesus said, follow me, and you'll be free, and you'll be free indeed. So you follow Christ. You get to color outside the lines. You get to live outside the box. Lord leads you to do things that maybe you've never thought were imaginable or possible as you discover and do the things that the Lord would have you to do. Next part, in verse, the second part of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says this, but God, let God remold your minds from within. It, if you want to dedicate yourself fully to God, it must start from within, with the heart and mind. How do you do it? Well, you don't do it. You allow God to do it. You let Him remold or transform. And here's what I believe. I I believe people can change. God's in the business of transforming lives. Now, the original word for transform or transformation is metamorphose. That's a big word. That's a lot of word in your mouth, isn't it? But uh, what does it sound like? Metamorphosis takes place. Like the... Caterpillar to the butterfly, if you will. Now, if you're not a nature lover, you know what a transformer is, don't you? That from the movies or that you buy or the toys. That'll do. That's a pretty good illustration. That'll, that'll work. Now, as we think about our church, you know, when we think about changes or even moving forward, we're going to, we kind of fish, finishing up what we've called our five-year vision. This year we're going to do lots of praying and planning, and hopefully by 2020 we'll be ready for the next 10 years kind of thing. We want to have a vision for that. I'd like to see, you know, let's talk about happening. I'd like to see more people involved in Sunday school, lots more Sunday school classes, more people involved in worship, more baptisms, more, lots of ministries. You want to, you want to talk numbers for a moment? We. We have them on Easter Sunday morning. We have anywhere from 600 to 650 on Easter Sunday. Well, my goodness, wouldn't you like for that to be a low Sunday maybe sometime in the future? Love to see baptized maybe 50 to 75 or more every year. Uh, We have lots and lots of ministries. I don't even know. I haven't counted them lately, but love to have 100 ministries perhaps that people are involved in in our church. And how about this? Love to have 100% participation where every member is involved in some kind of ministry. 
But wouldn't you like to see that kind of thing? Anybody on board? That'd be a good, those would be good things, yeah. Well, can I tell you this? All of that will not mean a thing if lives are not being transformed. You see, we're not in the business of filling up chairs. We're in the business, according to God's Word, that we want to see lives transformed because of the relationship they have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Last part of that verse in the Phillips translation, Romans 12, 2, says, so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all its demands, moves toward the goal of true maturity, allow God to transform your mind and prove His will. Let's make it real simple. Your mind has to be more on the Word than it is on the world. Your heart needs to be more in tune in the heavenly than it does on the earthly. You need, to, you need to be able to understand if God's going to make any change in you and me. We have to be focused on Him at least some, if not all the time. Give God your physical body, your mind, and your will. We're talking about now what do you do? Romans chapter 12 verses 3 and 5 talks about this. Discover your spiritual gift or discover your spiritual gifts. For the first time in the New Testament... If you're reading it from Matthew to Revelation, we find that we have an explanation or an understanding, the first explanation of what it means to have spiritual gifts that need to be used in God's Word. Three things we find. One of the first ones is this. You, as a Christian, you have a spiritual gift or you have spiritual gifts. All followers of Jesus have gifts that are given at the moment, the very moment that we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They're given so that you might serve God and serve others. Now notice how quickly the discussion goes from personal changes that you need to make to discovering how you can serve others. If you've been a Christian for a while, and you're still working on you, now understand God's always still working on us, but you're still working on you, and you've not begun to see how you might be used in God's kingdom or without paying any attention to how God wants to use you to serve others, you're probably not making the progress that you need to make. Quickly we go from, as we, Lord, makes changes in ourselves, it's not just for us. It's so that we might be able to use in His kingdom and His church. Number two is everyone's gifts are different. These gifts are as different as we are. Just as we're all different, all our gifts are different. The bodies used many times in the New Testament to illustrate the church at work. It is necessary for each person to have a different function in the body, in the body of Christ. There's unity and diversity. On a football team, everybody can't play the same position, not going to be very effective. Sometimes they're not all the effective when they're playing different positions, but I'm just saying it's a good, still a good illustration. True unity arises when each team member or member of the body is willing to play and do the specific position assigned to him or her. It's the same in the church. Well, who assigns the position? Who decides where everybody's going to play on the team? Number three, your gifts are dependent on God. Whatever gifts we have are dependent on God's choice, not our own. We don't choose our gifts. We discover it. It's a gift to be used in and a part of the church. And our ability to be able to administer that gift is also dependent on God and not ourselves. And while it's true that all of the church, and we speak about the church, there's the worldwide church or the church from Pentecost to Revelation or to the second coming of Christ. Everybody that is 
We're all part of a worldwide church, all part of one body of Christ. But of the 112 times that the word church is used in the New Testament, all but just two or three of them is a reference to a local body of believers. Since we talk about where you and I fit into the big body of the church of Christ, really, we're talking about where you fit into this church, this local group of people that you can see and touch. What's your responsibility here? It's your responsibility to find out your function in the body of Christ. Why do we do that? Verse 3 says it has something to do with attitude. Let us not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt with each one. It is not wrong to recognize that God has given each of us a gift. It is wrong to think too highly of our gift. Uh, It is wrong also to try to use a gift that is not our own. Uh, I think we have just as much the opposite problem. Those who may or may not recognize they're gifted but refuse to serve. But how the Lord will bless a church and a people who know that they are gifted for God's work in humbly serving God in faith. You can know, you can be a help to take spiritual gift surveys or the classes that we've had on this particular thing. As a matter of fact, our new members and guest class offers a spiritual gift survey, tendency survey in our class called Discover Parkway. But gifts are often discovered in trial and error, and often in your passions and in your enthusiasms. And as we've already discovered, not everyone's passionate and enthusiastic about the same things. The thought of teaching junior high boys might make some grown men weep. But to others, they can be passionate about putting godliness into these young men. Sometimes the use of your gifts is seasonal. If you have preschoolers and young children, the parents ought to sign up to serve in the nursery and extended session for kids and in other ways. If you have teenagers, you ought to be coming up to your student minister and say, how can I serve you? I can teach, or I can't teach, but I can corral teenagers with the best of them, or I can drive them, I can cook, or I have the gift of hospitality, and they can come use my home for D now or whatever it is that might be needed. We did it. I don't mean just Kelly and I, but the generation that came before you did it as well. And there's some of our older generation who are so gifted in mercy that you ought to be rocking those babies and changing those diapers and teaching those kindergartners every week. It's a big task to get everybody on the bus all facing the same direction, going in the right way and sitting in the right seat. We've come a long way, but I'm telling you, we still have a ways to go. But if we pay attention, if we'll submit ourselves to God, He puts the members where they need to be. Our greatest responsibility is to discover our place. Not necessarily to name the gift or the gifts. We have a responsibility to discover our gift, but the emphasis in Scripture is placed on using the gift, not necessarily naming it. I want you to understand that. It's a willingness to be able to be used. There are people who are serving today in this church, they're gifted, they're using their gifts. And if you asked them what gift they had at the church and you gave them some kind of list, they couldn't point to what their gift was. And then there are some people that could tell you what their gift is. They've taken every spiritual gift class and they can tell you what their gift is, but they're not really serving. See, sometimes it is that we need to be ready to serve. So today, if you cannot tell us what your gift is, it shouldn't stop you from serving. For if you're a saved believer and a member of this church, you have a place in the body. Responsibility to discover your function as we carry out the kingdom's work. 
having said that, now what do we do? You also need to develop your spiritual gift or gifts, even if you can't name them. Verse 6 says, if you have a gift, then use it. Use the gifts, develop them in continued service. In other words, if the Lord is using you in a certain area, if He's blessing your work, then it may be that you just need to keep going. Somebody, sometimes somebody say, well, I've been doing this for a long time. Maybe it's time for me to step down. Maybe it is under the Holy Spirit's direction, but maybe it is that you found your place. You found your niche. Just keep on going, but you're never going to step down. You always want to step up to what the Lord would have you to do next. Now, sometimes we have a tendency to do things backwards because we often have positions in the church that need to be filled. We have the position, and then we say, well, who's going to fill that position? And if we, sometimes people fill the position because there's a need. If they don't fill it, you know, we feel kind of lousy about it. If they do fill it, it warms our heart. But biblically, most of the time, we're to begin with the people. What are you gifted to do? Then do it. A couple of things we try not to do here at Parkway Baptist Church is we try to never use the word just. It's just an hour on Sunday morning for you to teach kids or to teach adults. No, it's not just that. We want you to pour your lives into those people who you're trying to teach. It's just this position or it's just that position. We don't want you to think about the minimum any longer. We want you to think about how much the Lord can do through you for whatever it is the Lord has called you to do. But also... We try not to let you take a position because nobody else will do it. If God's not called you to a position, I beg you not to do it. Caveat. You don't have to quit right now. But I believe if we do this, if we have that shift in attitude that's a privilege to serve in the area that God has called you to serve, then the positions and the positions become a humble privilege and the Lord cannot help but begin to bless it and to bless it with all joy. Some members in the church over the years have served in every position of the church by the time they're through. But the Bible says you don't have to do everything. Do what I have gifted you for and develop that gift, the Lord says. Every person has his own unique capabilities and passions and strengths. We try to serve outside our strengths, the symptoms of frustration and guilt. Too often that's what characterizes the Christian life. Sometimes it's why people burn out and sometimes it's why they even leave the church. Discover what it is that you're suited for and develop it. Don't worry that everyone does not have the same passions that you do. He may open more doors tomorrow but develop it today. We hope that that's true even for our children and for our teenagers and for our students. We want to be a unique church where you can come along and you can serve alongside and you can find your place. And it's not just a place to go and to attend, but it's a place to where you can develop those gifts. How do we continue to develop those gifts? It's by doing it. Notice in verses 6 and following it says, If it's preaching, then preach. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's serving, which by the way is the same word for deacon here, Serving is not running the church. We're going to have a nomination for deacons on next week. You've got the form. Be praying about that this week. But it's serving. It's doing the things behind the scenes, opening up the doors in the church and turning the lights on, taking care of our widows. And first deacons were born out of need. If it's giving, then do it liberally with pure motives. If it's leading, do it with diligence. Do it with zeal and energy. If you have the gift of mercy and kindness, do it cheerfully. This is not an exhaustive list of all the gifts that are given. More are given in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians 4. And even that's not an exhaustive list. 
Most of you have a unique blend of all of these, and there's a couple of gifts every one of you have that's listed even. It's the gift of serving and giving. All of us at least have a portion of that gift. Romans 12, 6 again, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. It's by God's grace that we are given gifts, but we're to use these gifts as an expression of our faith. As a believer, you want to demonstrate your faith in the Lord Jesus by stepping out and doing what He has asked and called you to do. And then we find, what do we do next? Now what do we do? Demonstrate to others God's grace. Demonstrate to others God's grace, especially to one another, especially to the church. And as we do that, it will open doors for others to be able to come to know Christ as well. Parts of the body serve the whole body with Christ being the head. Notice in verses 9 and following, Paul gives some guidelines. Let genuine love be your guide. Despise that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Outdo one another in showing kindness, affection, and honor. Verse 11 talks about that spiritual fervor. A word that means boiling over in enthusiasm, ready to serve the Lord. Let praise, prayer, and patience be your guide. In the place where church people can find help when they're in need, ought to be the local church of other Christians. Christians should be known for their hospitality. Hospitality should be a mark of the people of God. We know that because of what Jesus will say to us when He separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the goats on His right and He will say to those Excuse me, yeah, the sheep on his right, and he'll say to us who are sheep, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And if we ask why, he will say, Because you took me in. Because you took me in. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. <laughs> And if we ask the question, when? He'll say, when you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. As a part of the body of Christ, this is what we do. We exercise our gifts. We become a functioning member that does our part as we build up one another in love and serve each other. Had to get my driver's license renewed the other day. and You know, you think they could get this right. I mean, you know, they come, they take your picture and, you know, give you a printed copy and then they send it in the mail. Came in the mail this week. Opened it up. Look at the picture. It's a picture of my dad. <laughs> it's not really my dad. <clears throat> but I'm thinking how much I look like my dad. I said, here's what I thought first time I looked. That looks like my dad. Well, it's inevitable. I'll probably look more and more like my dad as time goes by. It's inevitable if you submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and continue to serve in the kingdom. What's your return for service? You look more and more like Jesus. We'll become more like Him. Let's be sure we get this right. We're not serving for salvation. We're serving from salvation because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we're not serving so that we might get some kind of great reward, physical reward. We're serving because of what Christ has done for us and because the love of Jesus overflows in us. 
And what will take place is we'll become more like Jesus. Let's look more like Jesus than we did yesterday. Let's look more like Jesus in the future than we do today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, even today, the plan of salvation has been shared of how you can know Him. Don't leave this place without placing your faith in Him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come and join in in this act of worship that we do here today. May we understand that worship doesn't stop when we leave this place, but we continue to worship as we give our lives to you and as we serve one another, as we serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you may develop in each of us the gifts that are to be used in service both inside this church building, outside the church building, and among those who are believers in the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that you may remind us of your goodness and your love, and may it become the reasonable, logical thing to do that we give ourselves to you. We pray, Father, if there's one here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today they'll want to become a part of the body of Christ, that we even today have become more attractive spiritually and know that what's missing in their heart and their life is found not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in us. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Would you?